and whether you like it or not you're going to require a higher bandwidth lower latency infrastructure to go and just do your daily chores much better whether you are trying to connect at work or connect at school or do your online medicine welcome to the CIO exchange podcast i'm Dean Porter de Leon. This is another special episode recorded via conference call during the COVID-19 crisis in which most people have been ordered to shelter in place. At the start of 2020, telco conversations were all about 5G, private 5G, and the growing edge networks. The pandemic changed all of that, underscoring the need to agilely support first responders and businesses and increase the focus on business continuity and remote workforces. Global telecommunication companies are looking to continue their digital transformations, along with their planned 5G rollouts and edge expansions, to improve customer and employee experiences while also responding to challenges driven by a pandemic and its public response. In this episode, I speak with Shekhar Iyer, GM and Executive Vice President of VMware's Telco and Edge Cloud Unit, who provides his point of view on how to navigate global uncertainty while maintaining the goals and visions of the business. So, Shikar, I think there's a unique challenge right now with everyone working from home, with bandwidth, with traffic, shifting from central locations like office buildings to remote work locations. Telcos are in an incredibly unique position right now. Everyone knows that. But what are some of the ways in which telcos have been challenged in addition to having this great opportunity, specifically because of the current crisis that we're undergoing right now, the current shift in the way that we're connecting with each other? What has been that biggest challenging transition that really needs to be addressed or is being addressed right now? So first and foremost, I would say telcos to some extent have been relegated to a position of less than primary importance with everything that's been going on around us for the last decade or maybe two decades. I mean, most of the attention has been in cloud and in business productivity, not areas where telcos have actually played a very significant role. I think what's actually happening in the context of COVID is that this notion of what used to be lifeline services from a telco, the never go down dial tone that they used to produce for those of us that were around in kind of a few decades back. Yeah, and that's, that that's is rigid. now coming. Exactly. It's now coming back into that notion because if you think about it, as a result of COVID, all of us are connecting through some form of remote communications much more. This is now becoming implicit and really, really critical for us to live our lives, to engage with our family and friends, as well as to get business done. So once more, telcos are in the limelight in terms of making sure that their infrastructure becomes the backbone of how everybody operates. So their challenge right now is how do you balance this sudden sort of upsurge in demand as well as coming back into this position of criticality and making sure that this becomes a sustainable way for them to go in and assert their influence in the architecture of the future. Yeah, and you see that as more of like a business or a technology challenge, or maybe that's both, actually. You have entrenched business habits, you have entrenched ways of doing things, and you also have a lot of, maybe not technology debt, but a lot of sort of, a lot of sunk cost in old technology that has provided services in a very specific way. Are those creating headwinds right now? Or maybe they are creating headwinds, but is it also an opportunity for telcos to now be able to make that shift? Or are those headwinds still too strong, even under the current environment? 
Uh, no, it is absolutely an opportunity. So I would say, again, to me, this is probably going to be a chance in a lifetime for communication service providers and telecom carriers to come in and show how they are once again going to be super pertinent for every individual as a consumer, as well as every business and enterprise as a customer of the telecom infrastructure. So that said, I think there are clearly things that they need to do both on the technology side as well as on the business transformation side or business model transformation in order to make the most out of this. Architecturally and technologically, I think they need to make sure that they are advancing their platform architectures for agility of new service deployment and delivery. And then on the other side, from a business model standpoint, they need to now start thinking like the providers of this next decade or the, the post-COVID generation. They cannot be constrained to saying, okay, we're going to provide like whatever bandwidth and network connectivity, and that's our only job. So these are all going to be things that require transformation on their side. And so if I think about it, this is just a fantastic coming together of catalysts for a telco to, in fact, undergo this transformational change. And they should be doing this. And I would urge them to do this. Yeah. Are you seeing that uptick right now? Are businesses taking that challenge seriously? I know at large ones, of course, you can't turn a giant ship on a dime. It takes time. But do you feel that momentum, the ground so well with organizations who are taking up that challenge and using this opportunity to start, even if it's in a small way, if it's experimentation? I think they run the gamut. I think you're seeing a spectrum of possibilities here. So some providers, I would say, are just struggling to keep up with the demand and to keep up with the charter of actually having their networks up and running in this generation or in this time where they are being stressed or stress tested. There are yet others that are using this as an opportunity to ask the question of what should they look like when they come out at the other end of this thing and the world is a little saner. On the one hand, there are some that are saying, we're going to wait and watch and see how 5G evolves and therefore we'll figure out what is the right point to jump in with 5G investments. And then on the flip side, there are others who are saying, look, this is the perfect opportunity to go and put more into the re-architecture of our environment, get 5G rolled out faster, because that is going to become our claim to success and our kind of ticket to success as we come out of the other end of COVID. So I think you're seeing both ends of the spectrum here. I am, of course, much more focused on the group that is aggressively moving forward in terms of infrastructure transformation. There are also physical challenges too, where like if you have a box and it's at a site and you have to physically get someone into that site and get that box and transform it, even if you are ready to go to virtual and go to a platform where you can kind of consume things or deliver services in a more dynamic and agile way, is that effort then slowing down that transformation or is there really just been more money and more effort and more momentum behind those efforts in order to shift those out, to rip some of that hardware out and to re-platform? So it's a great question because even without COVID, there were efforts like NFV or network functions virtualization that we had started about as an industry. We had been on this transition for about three years or so now. One of the key things is that there is clearly a software defined architecture that is coming into play to help everyone in this communications domain and the communication space. So the analogy I like to provide here in terms of why telecom and comms businesses are going to become much more agile is the analogy of an iPhone or a mobile phone. So if you think about the generation before the iPhone, 
there was this notion of getting certain things done with your phone. I mean, you could place a voice call or you could kind of go and get some data or information about something on the phone, but you could not imagine having that device actually do multiple functions. If I had asked somebody, I don't know, 15 years back, how could you go and do banking? How could you go and do healthcare? They would come up with different devices that are needed for each of these applications. So if you think about the world today, on the iPhone, you've got an app store. The app store has whatever, zillions of apps. You probably use, I don't know, 15, 20, 100. Try to delete uh, as many use, as possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might use another 15 or 20 or 100, but could you imagine a world where we had to carry a phone for every app? I mean, that literally would mean we would have to lug like 100 phones wherever we go. A backpack like full of phones, like, you know, oh, it's exactly. my banking time. And I pull my phone out of my, my banking. Oh, no, I have my banking phone here. To us, I think that brings the point home that it is ludicrous to look at engaging with an ecosystem that way. Exactly. It sounds like that's exactly how the telcos are doing it. Yeah. And 20 years back, it would have been unimaginable that you could not have had that backpack because people would have said, hey, but how are you going to go get there? Right. And so telcos largely are frozen in that old world, at least sort of pre NFV. They thought about their architecture as you need this device or this siloed stack to perform this network function. And here's another one. And here's another one. And literally, that's how their central office looks like or their base station looks like. They have gear from different vendors and each one performs a specific function. We are out there evangelizing, proving, in fact, and now we've got a lot of production customers to show this in practice, how software can change that entire architecture, how you can have a simplified single platform. You can then deliver on top of that each one of these functions as a software defined function. And you can literally roll it out at the click of a button, right? I mean, you almost have the ability to go in and say, I want to launch a new network service tomorrow morning. You construct it, it's a piece of code, and it gets launched on this platform. Mm -hmm. And it's like in the minds of like the businesses who are looking to consume this, is that just mind blowing? Are they just like, that's just crazy. I have to deliver not just like five nines. I have to deliver like an infinite number of nines. I can never go down. This is too disruptive, which is the same kind of story that happened in the data center. It's like, what you're going to put how many different applications on one piece of hardware? That doesn't make any sense. And that can't possibly provide the same robust dependent service as that dedicated piece of hardware though. Is that what's going through their minds right now, which is maybe where one of those headwinds are? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you exactly hit it right, which is the mindset is still, hey, this is what I'm used to. This is an infrastructure that's sort of constantly ticking. This whole world of software is a little bit like unnerving for me. Is it going to be really secure? Who's going to pull all these pieces together? So yes, these are all the questions that are going through in their mind. However, what's interesting is many of them now have seen proof points like Vodafone, one of our key customers. They've deployed essentially our telco cloud platform NFB architecture across all their geographies. They have nearly a thousand network functions that are running in the software defined form factor on top of our platform. Coincidentally, while nobody either wanted or expected COVID to strike us, the fact that it is upon us now, a company like Vodafone finds themselves in a really, really good position to launch new services. So whether these are lifeline telephony services, whether these are first responder services, 
So this is now the ability to go in and say, we've already created a platform where we can easily create and launch a new service. And so let's just do it. And now the criticality of the current situation is putting that to test. And so now what I am convinced is that everybody is going to look at this and say, wow, you now have an architecture that we wish we had in fact done this, whatever, a year or two back. Yeah. And this is going to increasingly catalyze the need for people to get away from what they had historically seen as headwinds mm-hmm. and instead see the benefits of actually moving towards this agile infrastructure for the future. Yeah, and that's kind of the classic story that you have in organizations. You have this institutional momentum. You have this is how the way we've always done it mentality. But then now you're in a situation where the way that you got where you got, and this is just a story for time and memoria, how you got here is not what's going to get you to the next place. And now this situation has shined a light on all sorts of things, things that have been swept on the rug, things that have been pushed out to the next quarter. Now there's no choice but to pivot in a way that's going to allow you to be relevant for that next generation of users, that next generation of businesses, the next generation of services. And there's then not just so much a technology challenge because the technology is there, but you have that business and institutional challenge of well, now how do we actually totally change the way that our business functions? How do we reorganize the way that we execute? And then how do we monetize that? Because that's a big problem too. So how do you take people that were consuming 4G and how do they consume 5G? How do you connect the different clouds based on, like you were saying, now there's a more of a relevance that telcos yeah. need to meet than they ever had before. You made two very important points there. One, which is around the monetization that is now made possible by this new world which is to me, COVID ends up being an unfortunate reality, but a very strong catalyst for the push to a future, an agile future. Alongside that, there's no mistaking the fact that things like 5G require tremendous amounts of investment. Okay, And as the carriers put in this investment, whether it is for purchase of new spectrum or building out new cell sites, new towers, the enterprise and business user is now going to become a very important part of their monetization roadmap. So it's no longer about just services that they can provide to consumers for voice and data, but it's around how can you provide better IoT infrastructure for a company or how can you provide better factory automation for a car manufacturer? Or for that matter, how can you provide a better edge platform for a gaming company to serve up video games to their customers? So there are a number of B2B and B2B2C-like applications that are being talked about as the reason why comms providers are going to become critical in the creation and deployment of this next edge architecture and edge infrastructure. And with that will come a whole series of things that will be monetizable services that they could provide to the enterprise. Now, the challenge, of course, is that the telcos historically have not had the strongest go-to-market to to the enterprise. I mean, they've been able to go and sell network connectivity, but not much more. So it is going to require a transformation on their side to say, now that we have this new capability, now that we have the new desire to monetize new services, how are we going to create the right organizations, the right functions, and the right investments in go-to-market to be successful with these new services? The other thing you said was the cloud connectivity, which is also super important because we are in a world where you've now got the big sort of giants like Amazon and Azure and Google all providing public cloud capacity. And so anybody who comes in with a new edge architecture, edge cloud, needs to know how to take the best of the public clouds, the best of the private cloud infrastructures, 
connect them together, marry them together in a way in which you now have the ability to have, for example, policies and security and manageability across this multi-cloud architecture. And that is also very critical. You cannot be a siloed cloud, just like you cannot be a siloed device. So you have to have an infrastructure that is allowing you to go and deploy new services, but also new services in a multi-cloud world. And exactly. uh, these are all, I would say, critical tenets. And what fascinates me is not just, is exactly what you're saying when you're talking about the connecting of things and also the criticality of the network, like for example, in IoT. And what fascinates me is not just, is exactly what you're saying when you're talking about the connecting of things and also the criticality of the network, like for example, in IoT. Is now the challenge for the telcos to say, look, you're not just selling pipes. You're not just selling bandwidth. You're actually needing to now push intelligence, push security into the network in a way that's never been done before so that we can accomplish things like IoT and driverless vehicles and things like those, which I think are just phenomenal opportunities. And people are doing it in order to scale that, to really scale that instead of to like five cars. Was it the Waymo cars that Google has around Palo Alto when I actually drove into campus? I'm not driving into campus anymore. (laughs) I would see them all the time. Instead of like five cars, about 5 million cars on the road. What's that challenge now to telco to enable things like that? So this is a great point because you may know, but one of the key elements of 5G that everybody's super excited about is this thing called network slicing. So simply speaking, you can take spectrum bandwidth as well as the rest of your infrastructure, and you can start compartmentalizing it for different tiers of traffic, different kinds of use cases. So you could say something like this channel is really for my IoT traffic, and this channel is for my security traffic, and this channel is for my voice traffic. And you can do this in a software-defined architecture. So it's really the combination of people like us who are presenting our architecture to enable end-to-end slicing, along with some of the protocols that are being established at the spectrum level by the 3GPP standards that are going to make network slicing a real and monetizable proposition for all of the carriers. But the best part of this is when we go in and launch the capability to have slicing, which we will do as part of our infrastructure package as an example, you can now imagine that this whole reality of how the edge cloud becomes a platform for delivery of services adds one more leg to the asset base or to the stool. You can go in and say you can provide really good quality of service, let's say for a gaming player that wants to spend a lot more time and energy and dollars on their particular game. There's somebody else who's doing something casual gaming and maybe whatever, a crossword puzzle, perhaps doesn't need that kind of bandwidth and capability. As much bandwidth for Sudoku as I might for (laughs) Fortnite. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. So you might well have Verizon or for that matter, T-Mobile or Dish come in and say your Sudoku connectivity costs you X and your gaming connectivity costs you Y, right? And you might be able to then decide whether to take one or the other. Excellent. And so what's really fascinating me about this particular time that we're in right now. So you have a lot of challenges. You have a lot of the old ways that they've done things. But what are some of the things that people aren't talking about with this opportunity for virtualization of the platforms in order to deliver agile services and deploy new services much more quickly? What are some of those conversations that you don't feel like are making it into the headlines that telco companies should really be talking about, whether that's in the boardroom or in the meeting room or now in the Zoom room? What's not making it in the dialogue? 
Yeah, so two things I would say. One which is more uh, front-end and the other one which is more back-end. Right? So on the front-end, a lot of us have really, really got used to the idea of now doing remote meetings like even this one. I mean, life has become a set of like tiled blocks on our screen. <laughs> it has been. And so we're getting used to this, but I still don't know that this is the ideal way that we would interact if we had a clean slate and somebody gave us the ability to go in and say, look, construct the architecture for the future in terms of how all your remote connectivity is going to work, right? So I think there's still a lot of improvement that can be made. And I read somewhere that even the delays that are there in audio and video rendering can actually prey on the brain in terms of how much work we are doing subconsciously. You kind of come out oh, of these meetings much more tired than you really think you are, right? And it's not because you're doing any strenuous work, it's because your brain is working in the background. Interesting. So telco latency is causing work fatigue. Yeah. So I'm saying at the front end of this infrastructure, there is a lot that can be done just to improve like user experience and the ability to go in and have a better way to connect, communicate and so on. So I think that's sort of one level of the challenge. And I believe that as we use more and more of these services and as we kind of stress the system more, everybody, including our friends in Silicon Valley, the innovators, or even globally, they'll all come up with new and better ways of doing things, all of which will get accommodated to help that. And so I think this is now going to be an injection or a boost in trying to kind of get that creative engine going. On the back end, I would say, to me, this is like a clash of the titans, right? Which is, you've got the public cloud world, like I said, Amazon and Azure and Google and so on. You've got private clouds, which are all the data center infrastructures that corporations and companies have set up. You've got the comms providers, the telcos, and how they are in this relatively old world domain of infrastructure now just starting at the cusp of trying to get their transformation into a software-defined infrastructure. And as you kind of bring all these things together, there is this new emerging edge. And this edge, you can either look at it as a very concrete definition of how things are moving closer to points of consumption, or it's a little bit of a mythical description of how everything is going to get delivered from some new cloud, but it's going to magically become low latency, high bandwidth, and the ability to get services rendered and delivered much quicker and faster and better than before. And I think it's a little bit of all of the above. But the reason I point this out is in the backend infrastructure, I think there is a good amount of transformative work that needs to be done in order to bring the best of all these worlds and not burden them with any of the anchors that are burdening them today. So as an example, public cloud providers, I think, are quick to come in and say their cloud is the edge. So undoubtedly, Microsoft wants you to believe the fact that Azure is your edge or AWS likewise. But in practice, we would say you really do need to take the best of what maybe a Microsoft can provide you or an Azure can provide you or AWS and couple that with what you've got going on inside your infrastructure. Further couple that with what an AT&T or Verizon or a Vodafone or a Deutsche Telekom can provide you or an NTT. And that gives you sort of the best edge infrastructure to go and decide whether you want to leverage a network function from a telco or do you want to go in and consume an IaaS service from a public cloud provider or for that matter, run an app on your own private infrastructure and it could well be managed off-prem. Now, the beauty, of course, is that we are building technology that enables all of this and it's not like futuristic, it's here and now today. 
I love the, the saying that Mark Andreessen said, wasn't Mark Andreessen, but he made it very famous with the future is here, just not evenly distributed. And I think that's probably going to be the case in telcos because what you're describing is unique and it's something that needs to be addressed and there's no easy button. So you're going to have to have a slightly different solution for each person and each course company is going to be at a different point in their evolution. So once you have more Vodafones of the world, more people creating those sort of dynamic capabilities and then coupling with a lot of the capabilities of the clouds, of the infrastructure of individual companies, what's some of sort of the unknown sort of ripple effects of once you start to get a tipping point in which you actually have the kind of work function virtualization that you're looking for so you can do a lot of the things and 5G now becomes something that is more flexible, that is more agile, that that is connecting things and the telcos are taking advantage of that. I know I'm making you look in your crystal ball here, Shaker, but what do you think, where's that possibility and do you think this current COVID crisis is really driving that? Yes, to that last point, which is if you had asked me a year back, I would have said there are a lot of people kind of contemplating as well as speculating on what the killer app would be for 5G or what the killer app would be for consumption of bandwidth. I mean, people have talked about the fact that you can download, let's say, a movie in seconds instead of minutes or hours, or the fact that you can actually play a game in a much more high fidelity way than you used to low latency and actions can be literally like real time, real life. But most people were struggling a little bit in terms of, okay, what do you do beyond that? I think what COVID has done for us is really sort of, to some extent, put that dialogue around a killer app to the back burner and said, look, the world is here and now in terms of how we are going to communicate for the future, how we are going to interact for the future. And whether you like it or not, you're going to require a higher bandwidth, lower latency infrastructure to go and just do your daily chores much better. Whether you are trying to connect at work or connect at school or do your online medicine and each of these applications, while they did not look like killer apps even six months back, now look like the killer apps that are going to drive this 5G future. So to me, in some sense, yes, COVID has become that turning point. So we are already in that right now. We're going through that transformation right now. And it reminds me of the internet in late 80s, early 90s. People were speculating a little bit about what you could do, but today you can't do anything without it. And I feel like that's really where we are right now. So next year, this time, I'm sure we'll have 100 applications that will be taking advantage of 5G that nobody has even thought about today. And then we won't be able to imagine what it was like before we had those. These are just life impacting pieces. And I'm glad you mentioned things like the remote learning or the telemedicine, because there's the other side of that coin is, well, now that you have this particular crisis, there's people, very smart people who now have to solve the same problems, but under much more difficult circumstances. And telcos are a critical piece of that. So maybe as a takeaway too, what are some of the ways in which CIOs, technology leaders, and all sorts of businesses across all industries can start looking to the future of, well, telco is headed in this direction. Telco is bringing these things together and it's going to bring, there's my edge, there's my data center, there's cloud, all these components that are really important to me. And I need to increase revenue through better customer experiences now that everything is digital. Where should those technology leaders be looking to take advantage of some of those advances that we're hoping and looking to the telcos to start moving forward? Yeah, first, I would say the CIOs and corporations, as well as many of us as consumers, we should be pretty harsh in our demands, okay, which is- I like that. Don't pull any pretty, we need to really say this is what we need. It is because we're all being asked to do more 
we're all being asked to work remotely. I mean, this is not a choice in some cases just because of the circumstances we are in. And so there's no reason to settle for a suboptimal infrastructure. So you and I should be asking our CIO to go in and say, look, I need better conferencing tomorrow, right? And so the only way they can provide better conferencing tomorrow is go to the providers, the vendors, the telcos, and make those demands off them. Now, the only way that backend infrastructure providers like the telcos will be able to do that is then ask the question, what do I need to do in order to deploy a service that quickly? And most of them have not been pushed to that reality. It's been a nice to have, not a must have. I think this is now the time to make it a must have. So if in some ways in the food chain, CIOs are essentially the ultimate consumers here, right? And so they need to be asking for more and they need to be asking for more quickly. And the rest of the supply chain needs to now say, okay, how do we kind of react in concert to make sure that these things get delivered quickly? And there's only really one answer. And the one answer is to go and say, take parts of your infrastructure that are old, that are not agile and that are siloed, completely now transform yourself into sort of a digitally capable software-driven infrastructure that can help you create and launch services faster and simultaneously also adapt your business models and your own organizational transformations to make that a reality. And if you do that, you're going to be the service provider of the future. So to me, this is the golden opportunity now sort of waiting in the folds that some subset of, I would say, current comms providers, cloud providers, et cetera, will take that as the initiative to go jump and become the Amazons and Azures of the future. Exactly. So we don't have to carry backpacks around with 100 phones in them. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is fascinating that challenge that CIOs, like you said, who are ultimately the consumers, they'll need to ask for more. And so if they bought in, they said, yes, I realize that there's that opportunity. I see the benefits of being able to do more if the telcos provide it. Now I need to be able to sell that idea to whether I'm like a CTO at a telco, whether I'm a CEO at a business, I need to be able to go in and say, look, this is the reason why we need to deliver in this way. This is the reason why we need a platform in this way. I've got 30 seconds on an elevator or I've got a minute with a slide in the boardroom. What are they going to need to tell those decision makers in order to move their opinions of not just doing things the way they've always done them? Yeah, so it's actually very simple. If you're a CFO or a CEO, you are concerned really with only two things, right? I mean, you're concerned with the top line and you're concerned with the bottom line. So what we are transforming here helps both. So on the top line side, as you go into 5G, as you go into a software-defined transformation in the context of 5G, this is going to help you launch several new services, each one of which is monetizable and can add completely new revenue streams to your portfolio. I mean, telcos for the longest time have tried and have come up with exactly two, which is one is called voice and the other is called data. And those are the only things that they charge people for and make money, right? So this is now going to give you 10 more or 100 more things that you could go and charge for. The bottom line is really around going in and saying, how can I take costs out or perhaps use less from my budget in order to go deploy this infrastructure. And as customers uh, ours like Vodafone have illustrated, with this sort of an architecture, you can get literally 50% reduction in your operational as well as your capital costs for deployment of your infrastructure in order to make this real. 
And so you really are hitting at the two most important points of a business case that your CEO or your CFO are going to be honing in on. And to me, there's nothing else stronger than that that you need to take as a business case forward. Yeah. It seems open and shut, but I know there's probably going to be resistance, you know, with sunk costs, with organizational momentum. But when you're talking about the top line, which I think the top line is what fascinates me the most because you have now the opportunity to, we can put crazy things like AI in the network. You can put security pieces in the network that weren't there, tiering a slicing of various different traffic in ways in which you just couldn't before. Like, well, how am I going to deploy like 1500 boxes at a site instead of how am I going to just put another app, basically like loading another app on your phone. It's just that dynamic shift it's completely different than, hey, I need to put another box on a rack versus I just need to push out another app to a site. Well, excellent, Shaker. I think this is some really good perspective, a great conversation. I think there's a lot in here, a lot to think about, and I really appreciate you joining the CIO Exchange podcast. Yeah, thank you, Yadi. This was great. Thank you for listening to the CIO Exchange podcast. For more conversations with technology leaders from around the world, consider subscribing to this podcast. And to get video perspectives and deep research, visit vmware.com slash CIO.